the Staff and Graph podcast. This is weird. My lock's been drilled, so I open the door and my steering wheel is missing. Inlinks are salad. You know what? You're trying very hard not to get sued. You can have all the talent in the world skating around, but if you don't have a goaltender, it does not matter. Team tidy business, baby. Welcome to the Staff and Graph Podcast. I'm Mike Stevens. Sitting across me is the one and only Rachel Dory, future first team in Gemini Angel history. Rachel, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you doing? I'm good. Tired. Lots of trades and stuff going on in the uh, in the hockey world, in the NBA world, uh, even more so. Just you know, having fun, um, enjoying life. Um, it is. It's weird because, like, I got back from All Star Weekend. And I was expecting it to be winter, and it's like it's no longer winter, and that annoys me. Well, I feel like climate change is a thing, and so like yeah. our winters are are screwed up in the sense that like it gets really like warm, and then it is really really cold. Like while you were in Florida, um, like it was like minus thirty or so yeah. in Toronto. Um, and like for our American listeners, it was like below zero Fahrenheit almost. So like that's kind of where you're at. So I think it, it just fluctuates more. It feels like, doesn't it? Yeah. Have you ever been to Mount Washington in, um, in, I believe it is New Hampshire. No, I have not, but I saw that it got like a plus cold there. (laughs) So it was, I believe like, is that's usually where in like the United States, that's usually where they, they like put the meteorologist stuff to determine what the coldest point in the, uh, in the U S is. And like, so I'd been there before and it's awesome. Like, you know, as a kid, um, on my way to like a vacation, we stopped there and we took this train ride up cause they have a train that takes you to base, like close to the top of the mountain, not like maybe halfway up. Cool. Um, and we went there and like m- my family took me and I w- we were there in August and I was like maybe six or seven and it's August. Right. And it's in the middle of New Hampshire. So it's like legitimately like, like 30 degrees Celsius out. It's so hot, like whatever it's, but it's like a great, it's a great summer day, whatever. So we go on the train and we go all the way up there. We get all the way up and we step out of the train and it is like stepping into winter. It oh. is the craziest thing I have ever experienced in my life where like legitimately on the like on, at the ground, it was like one of the hottest summer days of my young life at that time. It was like 30 degrees dead of dead of August, you know, crazy stuff. And then I take this train ride up. It's about, you know, 20 minutes or something up up uh, to like halfway up this mountain and bam. We had to break. We had to like break out like sweaters and stuff. And even then, we were still cold. It's crazy. It was minus seventy five on uh, uh, on Mount Mount Washington when uh, when I was in Florida. Crazy stuff. Anyway, enough small talk about the weather. Um, my brain is like mush after this week, so it's that's very good. Um, hard right turn into some really sad news uh, that this that week is technically weather related. It's technically weather related. Like, it is earth related. Yes. Um, so there was a earth, there was a you know massive earthquake in uh, in Turkey and Syria. I believe people could even like feel it in like Buffalo. You know, there like were after. So what happens aftershocks, is like, right? Yeah, yeah, there's aftershocks. Um, I actually had in university um, my first year, my one of my roommates, I lived in like that, like sweet style, um, was actually studying because she wanted to be like 
uh, somebody who predicts like uh, the shifting of the plates, which is what causes earthquakes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like I actually got to hear a lot of really cool things. And obviously that was like 10 years ago and, and science continually improves. Um, but just to like kind of understand like big, small, like the damage that could be done. Like there's more than 22,000 people that died and like they're predicting that there are still like there's going to be another earthquake of some sort because of the aftershocks of like this massive earthquake. That's yeah. It's just a horrible, horrible situation. Yeah. Like you said, 22,000 dead. That's, that's all that we know. Um, so if you can donate to the Red Cross or Doctors Without Borders, um, try if you can, obviously, like try and, you know, or give signal to, boost if you can't donate just like signal yeah. boost those links like you can there's many things that you can do that don't involve like monetary things and just like sending support and raising awareness and and things like that or even like if instead of selling your clothes on poshmark or whatever the case may be like if you have blankets if you have things like that that donate them you don't need them like maybe donate them instead like the ten dollars you're gonna make versus like the impact that maybe a blanket or some clothing is going to have on these people who have to completely rebuild their lives, um, I think is going to be far greater. Um, and what was interesting about this one was it was predicted by a Dutch researcher named Frank Hugerbeets, and he's at the SSG EOS, which is like a, a center for research on seismic activity in geology. So like these are the preeminent people that like predict earthquakes I believe he predicted it like three days before it happened. And like, if you go back and like, look at the replies, there were a bunch of people being like, you don't like, no, this is not going to happen. This could never happen. And like, obviously it did. And I think this is like a great opportunity to just say like science for the most part, like, like it's pretty accurate. And I think when it's something as serious as this, where like, obviously a lot of people are dying, like if there is a warning for a hurricane, a tornado, a volcano eruption an earthquake, like, heed that warning because you just you don't want to not heed it and then be wrong yeah i mean look we've had a pretty terrible that all of these people are losing their lives obviously we've had we've been pretty consistent uh in this podcast considering we started it during a global pandemic that um you know believe in scientists uh you know and science as bill nye used to say science rules um science does rule and so (laughs) uh, with the masters of science (laughs) yeah so believe them and uh believe scientists fun science that'd be great and we're Um, hoping for the best like obviously yes um they have a lot of work to do in terms of cleanup i saw that like edmonton firefighters are over there they're like the u.s has pledged a bunch of help like while you might not like that your country is sending money overseas to help it is absolutely the right thing to do like that it's called humanitarian aid yeah this is it's absolutely the right thing to do and obviously like our thoughts and prayers are with turkey i made a donation to doctors without borders just because I know that the bulk of the donation money to Doctors Without Borders actually gets there. <laughs> so um, that's that's what I would recommend. But yeah, just kind of thoughts and prayers to everybody who's affected by it. Obviously, there's people here that um, have family over there. And just, yeah, we're thinking of you guys. Absolutely. All right. Uh, move back into hockey news here. There was a huge trade yesterday. I mean, there'd be there a was. bunch of signings. I mean, well, there's a big move, and, and that move obviously was the Toronto Maple Leafs re-signing uh, Connor Timmins to a two-year contract extension, fortifying their blue line for years to come. Um, <laughs> I, I believe that that is, uh, uh, you know, that's extremely important. No, but, like, we'll, we'll get into that maybe if we have time, but the biggest bo- blockbuster here, obviously, is Vladimir Tarasenko. Um, Vladimir Tarasenko, finally, two years after he, re- he formally requested a trade, 
um, from out of St. Louis has finally gotten that golden ticket. Uh, he's heading to the Big Apple. Uh, uh, you know, traded along with uh, Nico McCola for a, a conditional first, um, a conditional third, uh, Sammy Blaze and Hunter Skinner. Um, that seems to be exactly what the Rangers needed. Like, I didn't even. There were so many. There were so many trade grades pieces that came out right after it that, like, literally, I was told just like don't even bother. Um, because, but like, trade grades are like a huge thing now. Yeah, they really and, are. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Like, I think. There's value to them, but, like, if we're being really serious, like, pay attention to Dom and Shayna when it comes to evaluating the trade, because in terms of value, they're going to be able to, because they use math, they're going to be able to accurately um, evaluate the deal based on the value, but if you want to look at, like, how they might fit or how they might play or how the deal came together, then you go to some of the other... um, publications who um write about that stuff um i know like we do it at the hockey news um there's other publications that do it but if you just want like a strict math one you got to go with the best there is yeah you know just due to my uh due to my religion i don't observe math rachel (laughs) um okay i just don't like that's just not part of my uh my values um and if there's ever a math night i'm just not gonna wear Wait, aren't you the graph part of this podcast? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> if I'm the graph part of the podcast, are we in like, trouble? <laughs> I think we're we're in a, in a load of trouble considering that okay. I like I literally passed like I st- I dropped math after grade eleven because I got like a sixty five in summer school and like stopped taking it. Like it's that would be I you am. Know what my favorite part bad. of this trade is what? How bad is that? Math. Sammy Blay was part of the Pavel yeah. Bujnevich trade that yeah. very obviously the rangers lost i mean oh, well, like like not even a question they got their clock cleaned on that, that is one of the most like lopsided trades of the salary like of the salary cap era like legitimately. so here's kind of how i think the trade effectively breaks down i really think the condition will be met on the on the the fourth slash third round pick so i think it'll be a third round pick which is why would I'm you saying. like to explain what the condition is i don't have it memorized off the top of my head okay um so I've effectively, I think that the pick, the third, that third round pick is for Nico Mikola. Like that's, that's what I think that is. Yeah. And then you have, yes, it's a conditional first, but it is a first no matter what. It's just the later of the Dallas or Ranger pick. So they yeah. have two first rounders because they got one for Niels Lundqvist. So they're just going to give up the later one of that and they retain a first round pick. Um, Sammy Blay is a contract thing that's got to go back. And then basically Hunter Skinner is like a warm body. Like he's an ECHL guy. Mm -hmm. So it's basically about making the contracts work. So realistically, Vladimir Tarasenko went for a first round pick and a fourth line player. Yeah. Uh, To be fair though, like a younger guy, like blaze blaze still young. Yes. And Um, it also, I think more importantly allows for an like Tarasenko was taking up a spot in the top six in St. Louis Mm. and very clearly they have some young players like you think about Jake Neighbors first and foremost that uh really need an opportunity I could see St. Louis being a fit for Yessi Puyi as well um and so I think that in this like the St. Louis Blues shed 4.125 million dollars in cap space and I think that that could be used to either like take on a poor contract and maybe get another pick or they take on somebody like Jesse Puyi RV um, who maybe fits a little bit more with their timeline, somebody they can give a bigger opportunity to. Um, 
But like from the Rangers perspective, they look pretty complete, don't they? They absolutely do. And I mean, this is they do need to get some people back, I think, like just but it they just look real good, man. Like it's it's this is exactly what they needed. And I, and I want to talk a little bit about as I'm not sure. Did you see the Patrick Kane discourse today? Yes, I did. Yeah, so we can factor that in a little bit. And, like, obviously, that's that's one of the, the, well, the players the, the yeah, Rangers like, were going after. This looks like they needed... They were they were playing, like, Jimmy Vesey on the on, on the top line, you know? Now they, they replaced him with Vladimir Tarasenko. That's a fan... That's a huge upgrade. I think this well, is a great Well, I also move. think, like, the New York Rangers have a lot of really gifted passers mm-hmm. on their team. Like, if you think about it, Artemi Panarin, when you think of him... He's, for, he's a playmaker. He's a playmaker. Like, you have Chris Kreider, who is just like, I'm going to shoot the puck no matter what, but he's not a sniper. No, he's a really. crash and bang net front Yeah, guy. he's a volume he's a volume shooter. Philip Beatles obviously coming into his zone, but, like, they don't really have that sniper a playmaker guy. Too. And so I really, like, I understand Patrick Kane and the fact that, like, yes, he's a good hockey player, but, like, he is just more of a surplus of what they already have. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I actually thought that the Tarasenko or the Meyer... Um, fits were good and I'd have to think now they have like $94,000 in cap space I I think they probably have to be pretty much done right yeah like they you, can't add you look at their ones. defensemen there I actually think their decor is sneaky good right mm-hmm. like they've got Fox and Lindgren then they got Keandre Miller who's been unreal and Jacob Truba and yep. then you've got Nico Mikola and uh, Braden Schneider like, you've got guys who can penalty kill, you've got guys that can hit, you've got guys that are tough as hell, and then you've got some really high-end skill. Hey, Rachel, right? like, you're I think also it's super forgetting, balanced. you're forgetting Ben Harper, who they signed to a two-year contract extension above league minimum, like, a week ago. Wait, they did? Did you not know that? Did yeah, I they, miss that? They signed Ben Harper to a two-year contract extension worth $787,000 and five, $787,500 per year. Okay, so he's going to be, like, their... If somebody gets hurt, which, okay, fine, but that shouldn't be on a term. That should be a one-year deal. Um, You do not sign depth defensemen to longer than one year. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Um, But their top three lines, like, think about this. You've got the kid line, right? Edel, Kako, Lafreniere. Mm -hmm. Then on your first line, you've got Tarasenko, Zibanejad, Panarin. And on your, like, I don't know, second line, probably, because the kid line's probably the third line, you've got Kreider, Trocek. And like, I don't know, whoever else you want to put there, like VC probably. But like, that's that's a pretty solid top nine, isn't it? That's a very solid top yeah. nine. And if you look even on the back end, like Libor Hayek, Hijek, however you want to pronounce it. Just he, cleared uh, waivers. Yeah. yeah, so they can send him up and down. You know, they have Ty Emerson, who's, you know, like 22-year-old coming up. Zach Jones as well. Yeah, Brandon Scanlon. Uh, you know, like they got, they, you know, Ma- Matthew Robertson, they got some guys here, you know, so it's uh, uh, like this is a the Rangers are looking good, you know, and the fact that what I love, too, about them is that I think like obviously, you know, they needed sc- like they needed depth scoring and, and I believe they just got that like they now ha- finally have some top line scoring that they desperately, desperately needed. But one thing that's really held them back is that Igor Shosturkin is not a th- 935 goaltender this year like he was last year. And he's, you know, an incredible, an off year for him, quote unquote. He's still Hilarious. got a 9, he's got a 917 and people are, are are acting like he just, you know, it's the downfall of Igor. This is a very, very good hockey team. Have they made some extremely dumb moves lately? Uh, uh, or yeah, like in the Chris Drury era, if you will. Absolutely. The Buchnevich trade is... The Barkley Gaudreau. Barkley Goudreau, the Buchnevich trade, you know, like uh, uh, extending Ben Harper, like stuff like that. Um, 
uh, you know, like if you kept Buchnevich around, you wouldn't have, you would now you would wouldn't have had to pay that price for Vladimir Tarasenko. You know, like it's there are all these different things. Um, uh, but you know, at the end of the day, like Tarasenko fits exactly what they what they needed, um, and they didn't have to give up a ton for him. I mean, they have two first round picks, so they're still going to be picking in the first round. Uh, this year. So they didn't give up, you know, like they didn't essentially knock themselves out of the first round of like the deepest draft in recent memory. Um, They just, they did a fantastic job. And then, then you, then you look at Patrick Kane, who's like openly upset that they went with someone else, you know, asked about his, his reaction to the trade. He said, you know, it's, uh, he he said verbatim, like, it's not the most excited I've ever been seeing a trade. So it's um, actually, do you want like a little bit of a prediction? I would love a little bit. I would love a lot of bit of a prediction. Um, okay, so it kind of ties into the fact that like the Rangers have now acquired Tarasenko. The Islanders have now acquired Bo Horvat. Those are arguably like yeah. two of the biggest fish of it, like truly available. We don't know if Patrick Kane is available or not. Oh, I think that New Jersey is the most set up to get Timo Meyer, not only just on the cap, but also with the pick and prospect capital that they have. Like they, They're the deepest. They're able to do that. I think that that's kind of the fish that they're going for. And like Elliot reported that New Jersey kind of said, New Jersey kind of said to San Jose, like before you make a deal, just call us and give us one last chance kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there is a non-zero chance that Patrick Kane ends up in Toronto. Damn. Yeah. I think actually that it's definitely more than a non-zero chance. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I do think that there's some mutual interest there. Um, and if you think about it, Matthews wants to play with him. He said yeah, that before, I believe. Yeah, he has said that before. They have the same trainer, like skills guy, mm-hmm. who they're had both. they. They're one is a disgusting generational shooter, and the, and the other, other one, one is Patrick Kane, and the other one is an incredible playmaker. Well, he's like, the highest scoring American forward of all time, and he will hopefully yeah. then be playing with you know the, the his presumptive Premier replacement his presumptive yeah. replacement on that list. Yeah, so, like, then you could have, theoretically speaking, a first line that boasts Kane, Matthews, and Bunting, and a second line that is Marner, Tavares, Nylander. So, so what do that you... Not that's That's insane. <laughs> that's insane. Like, it, you know... I think that, that it likely... Um, Every Leafs fan just creamed their jeans over that one. Yeah, so, um, it, so Chicago would have to retain 50%, which is $5.2 million. Um, but in order to make the money work, I think at a minimum, you're sending Alex Kerfoot back. Please. Um, but you're also probably, you're definitely sending either like your best prospect or your first round pick, if not both. Like, I think Patrick Kane's value has been like severely diminished, but like, if we're going to be honest here, part of the reason that it's, or almost the entire reason that it's been diminished is because of where he's playing and who he's had to play with. If anyone wants to tell me for a single second that Patrick Kane's play wouldn't improve playing with Austin Matthews versus playing with Jason Dickinson. Mm-hmm. Like I used to coach Jason Dickinson. Let like I let me be bless the first to tell you. Yeah, bless his heart, very very nice human being. But like what are we talking about here? So, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I could absolutely see that being the case. I also could see him signing here. Like after the season. Wow. He's not um, going to get, like, $8 million next year, guys. Like, that's just not going to happen. No, he's also 34, turning 35. Yeah. Like, he's he, he will then be, like, if he... I believe his next contract will be a 
age 35 plus contract, won't it? I'm not entirely sure. Okay, if it if it is, then... He has to be 35 when he signs it. Yeah, so when's his so birthday? <laughs> that is the issue at hand here. I am checking. I believe his birthday is later in the year. He'll probably uh, end up getting, like, Joe Pavelski stuff. Like, he'll sign a two-year deal for, like, 7.1 or whatever at the start. And then if he keeps wanting to play, he'll sign one-year deals with whichever team he went in. But uh, Yeah, he doesn't turn 35 until November. Okay, yeah. So at least it'll be, make it easier to buy out if you, if you want. But, like, look, Patrick can be great in Toronto. The one thing that ev- that the whispers surrounding him now, Rachel, are the uh, the injury, his hip injury, that it's severely holding him back right now. So what I would say is there is nobody that's going to know more about that than Daryl Belfry, who is also an employee of who? MLSE. The Toronto Maple Leafs, exactly. So he is going to have that level of insight and so i i just the way i see it shaking out is if the leafs acquire him it is because daryl belfry has kind of provided some insight obviously belfry doesn't have like the full extent he's not a doctor is he like no he's not but i patrick kane was his first ever client so i mean you're fooling yourself if you don't think that patrick like, because Belfry's not a full-time Leafs employee. Let's, like, yeah, make yeah. that clear. He's a consultant. So there's actually nothing that prevents Patrick Kane from telling Daryl Belfry anything and everything he wants. Like, yeah. optically, people might not like that, but at the end of the day, like, he's a consultant in the same way that Barb Underhill had other clients while she worked for the Leafs. Like, that's just kind of how that works. Unless you're a full-time employee, you can still have those clients. And so I would say that Daryl Belfry will have a very good idea of where Patrick is and if what he can bring to the team is worth the price that you're going to have to give up, because he also works with all of the Leafs prospects and mm-hmm. knows what they are and aren't capable of. The one thing, like, again, I think Patrick Kane's an incredible hockey player. I think he would give the Leafs exactly what they need because they because all this talk about them adding on D every time I see it just makes me progressively more mad. Unless um, they're adding Jacob Chikrin, that's not that's different. Yeah, well, I, like even if they're adding Jake McCabe, I don't care. He's another. No, I don't think they should add Jake McCabe at all. Actually. And that keeps see, that keeps being the friggin' name that keeps popping up is Jake McCabe, Jake McCabe, Jake McCabe. Like, no, no, thank you. Um, they need a forward. Like, it's 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 so clear now, especially now that Matthews is out, so they don't have that that crutch to lean on. Like, this is a team that when you get in the doldrums of a game. You know, the like the like you know the ten minute mark of the second period when both teams have really figured each other out and the game is in sort of like motion or whatever. Like they they don't have a spark that I think they really should or need to have. Um, Patrick Kane really helps them with that. Timo Meyer would obviously really help them with that. It's just about the acquisition cost here. But Kane, I mean Kane's value. It was it was reported yesterday that the Rangers went to went to the Blues for Tarasenko because the price for Kane was too high. So yeah, and would... they're going to have to come down if they want to move him, especially if there's injury concerns. Like, that's just, like, look what the Canucks got for Horvat. Look what the Rangers got for, or sorry, the Blues got for Tarasenko. Like, Tarasenko had injury concerns as well. That guy's had 70 million surgeries since he's been in the NHL, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So I think, is Patrick Kane a better hockey player? Uh, yes, of yes. course. But Patrick Kane currently is not a better hockey player than Bo Horvat. And so I don't think it's realistic to expect any level of return if you're Chicago that is comparable or better than what Vancouver got. Because Bo Horvat is the best hockey player of the three right now. 
yeah, over absolutely. the space of the career, it's obviously Patrick Kane. But we're not talking about that. You're not trading for Patrick Kane 10 years ago. You're trading for him now. Yeah. And so for me, that's kind of what I look at it. And I don't think that I think there's more likely that Patrick Kane will resign than Timo Meyer because Timo Meyer is going to be too expensive for Toronto to resign. Whereas I don't see Patrick Kane getting five or six million dollars. Like I just don't. Whereas I see Timo Meyer getting like nine. Well, first of all, I absolutely uh, can see Patrick Kane getting five or six million, considering that. Oh, someone's going to do something very silly. Are you kidding me? Like, dude, people like. (laughs) Okay, fair. I don't see the Leafs giving him five or six million. Yeah, yeah, of course, because they just straight up can't. But like, I can absolutely see that happening. Um, It it, like you said, just depends on the acquisition cost. And the thing about Timo Meyer, too, is his qualifying offers ten million (laughs) dollars. Right, and, and and I think, like, Timo Myers also said that, like, he will, he's willing to work with the team if he thinks they're on the path to winning. And obviously, like, New Jersey, like, Jack Hughes is out week to week. That's a yeah. huge issue. They, because they him and Vanacek have, like, significantly propped up New Jersey. And I don't think it's out of the realm to assume that New Jersey maybe plays 500 hockey without Jack Hughes. Mm-hmm. Um, and they need, like, New Jersey's good. Like they are good. Oh I yeah. Wouldn't, I wouldn't say they're elite, but they are. But they're very good. They're, and I think Timo Meyer is a piece that maybe pushes them into a different kind of level of good. Like I think they'd be kind of. I don't think they're at Carolina's level. No. And I think that you probably don't want to be betting against Igor Shosturkin at any point in time. Never. Um, so if you can kind of add tools to the cupboard like Timo Meyer that may help you beat Igor Shosturkin, who are likely to play in the playoffs, that is something that is smart. In the same way that Toronto needs to add pieces that can help them beat Andre Vasilevsky, because that is who they are playing in the playoffs. Mm. Like, it's it's one of those things. And so um, I could see those being the landing spots for, for those two guys. I could also see a scenario where Patrick Kane remains a Blackhawk. That is That would be such a cataclysmic failure on that front office if they don't, like... Well, if, no, if Patrick Kane says you can't trade me, then you can't trade me. Yeah, no, okay. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but I don't think he's going to do that. Patrick Kane, at the end of the day, wants to win hockey games. Like, I don't care about loyalty. Like, at the end of the day, you really, you, like, he does not seem like a happy camper right now, you know? Yeah, he looks pretty depressed. <laughs> exactly, you know? And so why would you voluntarily stick around in, in that situation? Like, it makes right. absolutely no sense. And if they don't trade him, if they're like, oh, you know, we didn't get a, a package that's good enough... Any package at the end of the day, like when it when there's like, you know, look at the piece I wrote yes or this morning. Exactly, the deadline is at the end of the day, like you know, it's what the three three p.m. right is the deadline or is it five? Yeah, so it's three p.m. Eastern. It is. I wrote this in my piece for the Hockey News today. It is better to get something than it is to get nothing. Yeah, and you also like cannot. The last paragraph of that story says like. Gotta get something, you can't get nothing, but even worse, you must at all cost avoid re-signing a player that doesn't line up with your timeline to money that will be overvalued. Re-signing Patrick Kane, if you're Chicago, to more than $3 million would be a mistake. Because from a building perspective and from Patrick Kane mentoring perspective, would he be valuable at $3 million for the young player Chicago is getting? Yes, absolutely, as would Jonathan Taves. But you can't re-sign guys that are that age that don't align with your rebuild timeline unless they're going to be worth the minuscule money that they're making. Ergo, like, 
if a team were to sign Mark Giordano and they were rebuilding and they only paid him 850k, like yeah, that's worth it because he's worth that money. But Patrick Kane, absolutely. I don't. I hope they don't do that. And Patrick Kane is. He's too good to just be to. He's too good to just spend his last couple years as a mentor. You know. Agreed. Like, like he's, he's, we're talking about probably the best American hockey player to date. Yeah, and he's too and like good. is Will Matthews surpass him? Yes, probably. But like right now, Patrick Kane is the greatest American hockey player of all time. Yeah, he's statistically everything. Yeah, and and it's 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 it would be such a such a friggin' such an uh, uh, inconceivable waste. To make him be like the guy that uh, that you know that ushers up like Colton Doc and Lucas Reichel and stuff like if that's his primary function towards the end and whoever of, they get this year yeah yeah you know hopefully not Connor Bedard but like it like trade him like there are so this this there are a lot of teams that need to buy you know there's a lot of teams that like that there's are a lot of teams that need to sell <laughs> yes there are a lot of teams in win now mode though there are a lot of teams with or, with you know internal organizational pressures on them to win this season. Um, or it's, you know, like, there are either teams it, that need to get over the hump to keep their regimes around Toronto, you know, stuff like that. Or there are teams that, you know, are looking to, you know, for the one last dance, one last ride, uh, you know, Boston, like, who who can who need these players? Take advantage of that market. I mean, get, like, at the end of the day, even if it's, even if you look like you, you somewhat lost a Patrick Kane trade, like, even if you only get, like, a first round pick or whatever, like, just whatever that's one more first round pick than you had like when you started you know like just exactly if the clock speaking speaking of like first round picks that need to be acquired like when you're talking about teams that are selling like arizona arizona is like the best team in terms of like we will take bad money to increase the return on a chicken slash vamelka deal speaking of which yes do you like we've now You've brought it up, and I've seen, I've seen it mentioned in the ether. You know that that Chikrin and Vamelka uh, could be packaged together in a trade. It's really interesting to me. I think it would be team dependent. Like, I I think regardless of Stuart Skinner being at the All Star game, uh, I think that if you're Edmonton, you need to have some level of insurance. And you clearly need a defenseman. That part is is not really a debate. Um, I would probably go after both. Uh, if I'm Toronto and I can send Matt Murray the other way, I also probably take Vimelka because I am more confident in Vimelka Samsonov than I am in Samsonov Murray. Because, like, Vimelka's been good on a team that has been absolutely horrendous for, a, like, he, this is his second year where he's been very good. And so for me, like, that's enough of a sample size to say, like, okay, that like, he's he's a good goalie. Or at a minimum, he's probably not going to cost you multiple games. Like, I think it's an upgrade at that point. Um, but yeah, like, I think, I think it really depends on goaltending, like, if you're New Jersey, let's say, would you send Blackwood the other way? Like, I think they probably would. I just don't know that they need defensemen. <laughs> like, I just don't, I don't think they like, like, they don't need defensemen, but I also, I just don't think they like Blackwood anymore. They've given him so many chances. Like, and then they yeah. eventually had to go out and get a new, like, they had to eventually go out and, and, and get a guy in Vanacek because they were expecting Blackwood to be their dude. 
you know? And then he's just being nothing but hurt or, like, mid. Not mid, bad. I was trying to be polite, Rachel. Okay, well, uh, I'm not... (laughs) But, yeah, like, I think, for me, um, if I'm... Like, Kyle Dubas in his press conference said that he wasn't really willing to give up his top prospects for, for rentals. And, like, honestly, I think that is a smart way of going about things. Like you can't just trade every single prospect you have and every single pick you have. Like that's extremely dumb. But if you can get a guy like, or, or you, and you shouldn't be trading them for Jake McCabe either. If you're going to expend your high end capital, it needs to be for somebody like Jacob Chikrin. Yes. I think and it, people are like, Oh, he has poor defensive numbers. I'm like, he is playing on the Arizona coyote <laughs> for Arizona. And relatively speaking, he's fine. He's more than fine. Actually, Have you seen his offensive five. numbers too? Like he he is the play driver on that team. It is. I think he might be the only driver of like anything on that team. I mean, I, if I'm Edmonton, yeah. I'm giving up the sun and the moon for Jacob Chikrin. They clearly need him. Like Xavier Borgo, thank you very much. Yessi Puyarvi, obviously they want to include him. A first round pick this year, thank you very much. Basically, anything that doesn't that isn't going to help McDavid and Drysaitel in the next two years can go as part of a Chikrin deal, because Chikrin helps you win. In the same way in Toronto, if it doesn't help Matthews, Marner, Nylander, and Tavares, then I, I really don't care. So I think Matthew Nyes can help in the next two years. I think that whoever they get in the 2023 draft probably can help in the, in the next two years because the draft is so good. But mm. like Fraser Minton, I could see him being moved for like a top-end piece. Um, Nick Abruzzese, Nicholas Moldenhauer, like some of the the really good prospects um, I could see moved. But to me, like anything that isn't going to help you immediately or in the next year or two probably needs to be available. Absolutely. All right. Um, big news in the, uh, in the labor sort of uh, uh, side of the NHL. Um, the next, the person who will usher, uh, usher the players association into the next lockout. Um <laughs> That's such a great way of putting it. Oh, just kill me. Um, uh, Marty Walsh uh, looks like will be the new uh, NHLPA director after an exhaustive search uh, to replace Donald Fair, who I don't really think does anything. Um, So that's good. Uh, He's a current White House staffer. He was the designated survivor uh, for the State of the Union address the other day. Um, Man, I just have to point out, like, nobody on Twitter, like Pet Bugs, tweeted out, a meme of Marjorie Taylor Greene beside Corella DeVille, and it was mm-hmm. the funniest thing ever. I was like, yeah. oh my god, that's hilarious. I'm not sure if anyone knows what a designated survivor is, but if you don't, let me tell you, it is the one guy that they leave back in like a safe location just in case someone like nu- nukes the uh, um, nukes the Capitol building when they do a, a uh, when they do the State of the Union because that's when every like that's yeah. when every uh, uh, like government official, the president, the vice president, everyone is in the same building. But they leave one dude back, uh, or or dudette back. Um, to I'm ensure... pretty sure traditionally it's always just been a dude. <laughs> well, I mean, obviously, but like you know, because the patriarchy and whatnot. But like it, it and there was a show about it, uh, starring Kiefer Sutherland, Canadian uh, apparently behind the scenes nightmare. Um, but it it is actually a friend of mine was on that show. Um, oh, but that's amazing. Uh, I know. Yeah, like, I think the designated survivor is, like, so funny. Like, we should point out, like, the it's U.S. So does... Dramatic. They, The U.S. does take precautions. Like, when the State of the Union is happening, or, like, any time all of the head political figures in the nation 
are gathered, like the airspace is closed. That way they know, like, if you're flying over there and you're like, we could shoot you down, basically, because it's like from a safety perspective. That's how that has to work. Like when they shot down that balloon, they closed the airspace. Right. So it's one of those yeah. things where like they do take precautions. It's not just like, oh, we're just going to hope nothing happens. Like there are precautions taken. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, it's it's very it, it's pretty nuts that this has been today in politics with Mike Stevens. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, you know, I, I did. I do have a degree in it. Um, so at least I might as well make the use of it anyway. Marty Walsh, he's coming in. Um, obviously, you know, part of the uh, uh, he's you know the, the secretary of labor. Um, in the Biden administration. That's pretty, that's a pretty so good he's qualified. get. It's a pretty good get. Um, and he's actually notoriously known for obviously being pro-union, bending rules in union favor. Um, did you hear about what he did for like the Delaware North situation? I did. Please explain <laughs> it though. Please so explain funny. it to people. So basically he was the mayor of Boston. Um, Which by the way, if you hear him talk, that's the first thing you would think of him. This man is... Like, I worked, when I was in New Jersey, like, Ray Shiro's from Boston, um, Kate's from Boston, Tom Fitzgerald's Boston. Like, there's a bunch of Boston people that are, that work in New Jersey. Like, I heard the Massachusetts accent more than I heard the New York accent when I worked in New Jersey. Let's just say that. Um, it is, I heard he Marty sounds Walsh like Matt Damon. <laughs> I heard, I heard Marty Wall speak and I was like, oh, 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 oh my. He sounds, this he sounds is, like an extra in Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, like, this man is as Boston as it gets. So, essentially what happened was... He was the mayor, which means you get to, like, there are different powers for being a mayor in the U.S., especially when you're in a big city. Like, the mayor of Los Angeles and Boston and New York have, like, different powers than, like, the mayor of, like, s- somewhere in nowhere Kentucky. You know what I mean? And basically, uh, a company was like, oh, we want permission to build this thing, this building. And Marty Walsh was like, well, you can have that permission, but you gotta use union labor. And they were like, well, no, because obviously that's going to be expensive. Um, we're not going to use union labor. And he goes, oh, well, I think it might be difficult for you to obtain the permit then. <laughs> so he basically was like, I'm not approving the permit unless you use the union, which is super pro union. And I think that's so funny. Um, but yeah, like I, I think, first of all, this is not a knock on Marty Walsh, but I think having somebody like Mike Gillis available and at your disposal was probably something they needed to consider a little bit more. And like, even though Marty Walsh is going to be the PA director, having Mike Gillis involved in some mm-hmm. fashion. Um, if you look at what he did in Vancouver, whether it was like, first of all, he has a legal, like he's a lawyer. Yes. So it's not like he doesn't know what he's doing. Um, but everything he did in Vancouver was always geared pro player. Like it was like doing extra things in sports performance, sports science. It was researching on ways to um, mitigate injuries or shorten injury periods. Um, everything like I got to ask the Sedins about it, and and Kevin Bieksa has talked about it on Hockey Night in Canada. Like everything Mike Gillis does is pro player, mm-hmm. and so I think that it would be foolish to not have him included in some capacity because this man has actually run a hockey organization. And basically put his stake in the ground and saying, like, I am for the players. Um, and in terms of, like, labor negotiations and stuff, I think having some level of, like, two-headed monster with Mar- uh, Walsh and Gillis is where you have a guy that's, like, extremely pro-union. And then you have a guy that's, like, I've been in the NHL and I know what the players need, I think could be um, really good for the PA. And it might actually allow them to get some proper leadership 
going in the right direction. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Uh, I hopefully Marty Walsh actually does stuff. Um, and like, for example, if a player, uh, comes to him saying, Hey, I was, uh, sexually assaulted, um, by, you know, um, like by, by a, uh, anyone, a, a, by in the anyone, but specifically someone by someone who is employed by my employer. Um, me, I would love it if Marty Walsh were to take actions to rectify that situation, um, or to support his player, um, and I would also love if Marty Walsh argued for players' medical uh, mm-hmm. rights or if he argued for the fact that owners should get less than 50% of hockey-related revenue. They should probably get 40 because, as Jeff Merrick astutely pointed out, the owners are not putting any body or body part on the line to make money. They are just reaping the rewards of the players playing with, like, all manner of ridiculous ailments. And so the risk reward factor is significant. Like I kind of like what he says in that, like no hockey player is ever overpaid because the amount of risk that they take, like they might be overpaid relative to the cap, mm-hmm. but they're not overpaid for the risk that they take. Yeah. Um, you're risking your life. Exactly. Like Damar Hamlin, like literally Died. <laughs> died, on, died the on the field and had to be resuscitated. Like things like that can happen. And, and like Chris Pronger had a really scary, similar incident. So like, I would like for Marty Walsh to kind of put his stake in the ground and actually show that he's pro union, not when it's convenient for him, but like always, um, do we want to talk about the Jeremy Jacobs thing? I we mean, probably have sh- to, right? Yeah, sure. Why not? Why don't you, why don't you le- le- take it away, Rachel? Okay, so Mike, what would you think? You're you're Mikey Stevens, eighty one, and okay. you're playing for an NHL team. That something has gone horribly wrong, but okay. Um, or like, let's say you're actually on the PA like board executive, so you're making the decision. Again, something has gone f- horribly wrong, but I am. I will willingly accept my duties. Okay, so um, you hire this firm to do a bunch of background. Yes. They're, they present their candidates, mm-hmm. and then it comes out that the top candidate that they've presented has been or has gotten a donation from the single most powerful owner in your league, Hmm. and that wasn't discovered in due diligence, how would you feel? I would ask for my money back from the firm. (laughs) I feel like that, like, a Google search should probably be the first thing that you do. (laughs) Like, I hired you, I paid you probably, like, a hundred grand, like, maybe more than that. Oh, it was more. For this extensive search like this, there's so much, so many man hours that are involved. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that if you missed something like that, like I hired you so things like that don't fall through the cracks. Yeah, like is. I want my money back. <laughs> I want. Now, give me I- my money back. <laughs> so you'd be upset. Now, what I think is important to point out is like we talk about money. It was $13,000 and Jeremy Jacobs is worth billions, like billions of dollars um and it should be pointed out that jeremy jacobs donated to a pro union polit democratic politician mm-hmm. um which i don't think we ever thought would be the thing also john henry who is part of fsg he who owns the penguins um also donated to him but that's so usually what happens is if you're a sports owner um you in the u.s specifically like i i kind of asked um if you're a sports owner it is actually 
pretty traditional that you're donating to mayoral um, candidates mm. because they directly impact the city in which you um, yeah you like you you play it. and make money in like it, it has a direct impact so if you have somebody that is like kind of for your interests of course you're going to donate to them if you're worth billions of dollars i don't think a thirteen thousand dollar donation is that much like when he could have donated millions of dollars um i do think that it should have like i don't think it's going to impact how marty walsh does anything it's not like a favor kind of thing the mm. way that like we're used to with some high well, that level has to be brought up in in due diligence <laughs> yeah it just it's just one of those things where it's like how good was the due diligence is is basically what i'm saying i don't think it's going to impact any negotiations at all actually if anything i think it potentially is not necessarily as negative as people are saying because marty walsh can go to the players and be like listen i have this whatever relationship he has with jeremy jacobs like i know kind of what he thinks and and how he acts in certain situations let's say or like what he truly values i don't know if he has that information or not but maybe he does i just think that at a bare minimum like it's not good if you're doing due diligence and like this didn't come up yeah, that's that's unacceptable. Like legitimately, I'd be you, like, "Give me my, <laughs> give me my money back." Like I hired you, so things specifically like this do not happen. I paid you a lot of money, probably like like you said, probably like half a million dollars. I paid you to ensure that I don't, I have the peace of mind not to worry about this. And this happened. Give me my money back. I want it back. <laughs> and I also think that like there are other options available. Do I like? I think they should have gone with Mike Gillis personally. Like as the, um, I'm glad that it's not a hockey lifer. That's one thing I'll say. Like I, I, even just for the for the perception, like I, I think Mike Gillis is an, is a tremendously well, intelligent. Well, he has person. also been doing other things for the last like 15 years. Exactly. <laughs> I think he's fantastic. Absolutely. But like, legitimately, just even or for like years. for like peace of mind or whatever for everything. Like, I'm glad that it's. It, it, somewhat of more of an outsider coming in that's going to attack this like an actual you know like labor organization and not yes. like someone who's been in the hockey machine who no matter how much they try and deny it like that influences you a bit you know i think part of the reason why mike gillis hasn't worked in the nhl is like we know that gary bettman and like the nhl generally speaking recommends owners for like owner or gms to owners like we know peter shirelli's name gets thrown out 70 oh million times God. a season right i think there's a reason that mike gillis's name hasn't been thrown out there by gary bettman and it's probably because mike gillis was n like not willing to just go along with things like he specifically went against the institution and that's why i say like even if he's not your pa director i think he still needs to be yes involved. yes he needs yeah. to be like the associate director or something like that rachel the day that Gary Bettman wakes up, you know, wa saunters into his bathroom, <laughs> looks in the mirror and goes, man, sees like bags under his eyes and feels tired and goes like, man, I just kind of want to spend time with my grandkids now. That is the day that will be the happiest day of my life. I think you're underestimating what Bill Daly will be as a commissioner. Well, I think Bill Daly <laughs> will be even worse because Bill is just like he's just he's very, I'm not saying either way. I'm just saying like when no, Gary I think Bettman he'll be worse. When Gary Bettman is done, I think there needs to be an entirely new search for a commissioner. Like Bill Daly is not Adam Silver. Is no Bill Daly is the what Dwight. I'm getting at there. Bill Daly's the Dwight to to Gary Bettman's Michael Scott. Like it's like he's just the lackey that will come in and be be the exact same, if not worse. Lol. On that note, though, Rachel, 
we have reached the end of the podcast. Um, behind the scenes, Rachel and I are going to record an action show right after this, so we're doing double duty. But uh, if you want to listen to th- this episode of the podcast or any other uh, episodes of any of the Hockey News lovely podcasts, I host like 15 of them at this point, so that's great. Um, you can go to uh, thehockeynews.com slash podcast, and, uh, and, and all the archives are there. Um, Rachel? I will see you uh, next week. Sounds good. We will see everybody next week.